We do a lot of different things, um, and I get to get to work in a lot of different areas. So uh, as far as myself, um, again, my last name is Machoshek. Uh As you can tell, it is not an American name. It is a Polish name. So I am Polish, and I put it phonetically on there, so it's Machoshek. So everybody say, Machoshek. Now you can say my name. You'll never forget it. So I am married to my beautiful wife, Rachel. Uh, we've been married for 24 years. I got that right? Yes, okay. I have six kids. Uh, I have six kids and I have two uh, beautiful daughters-in-law, one of which is with me today. Um, I have, I'm going to try to get this right now, I have a 26-year-old, a 22-year-old, a 20-year-old, an 18-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 5-year-old. And one of these days, I'm going to learn all their names. <laughs> and then I also have two daughters-in-law. I don't know their ages. I'm sorry. 22? 21? 21, okay. 21 and 22. Oh, 20. Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> I don't get it right. I also have three grand dogs. So I'm not a grandfather yet, but I have three grand dogs. Um, uh, I, prior to here, I was an executive pastor at a church for about 10 years in North Carolina. Um, uh, it was a church in eastern North Carolina, so it was a very diverse church. We were uh, diverse in a different way. Obviously, here is completely different uh, than over there. And in, in, I would say in North Carolina, people don't ask you if you go to church. They ask you where you go to church. That's kind of how they are. Um, here, they just assume you don't go to church. So it's completely different. Uh, my wife and I, we cannot be considered gypsies. We have lived all over this country. Um, my wife is actually Canadian. She lived for a period of time, uh, eight years in the UK. She lived in the UK for eight years. Uh, I myself have literally lived in every part of this country. Uh, in fact, I lived in Cupertino in my junior high school years. Uh, my oldest daughter asked me, she said, we were at the H Mart, because she likes to shop at the H Mart, and we were at the H Mart, and she asked me, she said, uh, Baba, did you, when you lived here, was it like this? And I was like, what do you mean? And she asked me, you know, I showed her where our house was, and I went to uh, Collins Junior High School, and I also went to Cupertino Junior High School. Um, and she said, you know, uh, with all the Asian people, I said, I honestly don't remember. So I had to go back and get my yearbook, and I looked, and I was like, oh my gosh, there were no Asian people. It was weird. So things have changed, obviously. The world changes, and we change with it. So um, before we start, I'd like to pray um, for the sermon. So Father God, we just come before you right now. Um, we lift up this, this day, this hour, this time, this message. I just thank you, Father, that um, the words I speak uh, are from you, Father, that the Holy Spirit leads um, and leads each one of us, Lord, and that we would take that direction today and take it to heart. Um, I just thank you, Father, for all that you do for everyone here. We love you, Lord, and we love each other as a church, and I'm just so thankful for the opportunity to speak, the blessings that will come, and I just lift all this up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you. Yeah, any help will be uh, greatly appreciated. Uh, so yeah, so my sermon today, the title of my sermon, uh, is Between Here and There. Uh, I feel like we're all in the between here and there. 
And I picked a very obscure scripture today that no one will know to base my message off of, right? Nobody knows this sermon, right? This message, this, this, this scripture. Does anybody know this scripture? I've never heard of it before? Great, okay. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting, everlasting life. Imagine if you were God for a second. Just sit and imagine you were God. You gave your only begotten son to him for, for, for each one of us here. What would you want from mankind for doing that? What, what would you expect? If you were God, what would you want? Obviously not wealth, because you're God. You can make anything. You can have anything. A lot of people often say relationship is what, we, what God wants. God wants a relationship with mankind. And if you stop and think about that for a second, you think to yourself, well, I was betrayed, I was beaten, I died on a cross for you so that you could talk to me whenever it's convenient for you. That's what I'd want. See, I believe God wants something more from us as believers, as Christians. Uh, I know most of us live our lives and, you know, as believers, we pray, we read our Bible. But there's an element that I think God wants from each one of us that is missing. Um, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. You know, I know most of us don't enjoy going to the doctor, uh, but there was a Reuters article in 1994 of a London accountant who, he, he had an extreme mistrust of the medical, medical community. He didn't trust doctors, he didn't trust hospitals. So this 63-year-old man needed bladder surgery. Uh, and so he just couldn't overcome the lack of trust that he had with doctors. So instead of going to the hospital and having surgery, he tried to perform the surgery on himself. He suffice it to say, he, uh, he got an infection and tragically died over something that was really simple. Uh, the funny thing is that if you Google this, self-surgery, there's actually websites that will teach you how to perform surgery on yourself for many different various things because of the lack of trust in hospitals and doctors. Now, how crazy is that? Like, it just goes to show how important trust is. See, I think it's funny, we as humans naturally put our trust in some things, and we really shouldn't be trusting these things as much as we should be trusting our Lord and Savior. Uh, I take and look at one of the largest things in our world today. It's huge, it's massive. We're standing on it. It's this huge rock, the earth, right? And this earth spins around in a circle, and it moves. And yet, every night, every one of us go to bed, and we never think, I wonder if the earth is going to be, the sun's going to come up in the morning, if the earth is going to keep spinning. We never think about that. We just trust it's going to happen. 
We just are oblivious to the fact that our earth spins, we're spinning right now, 1,067 miles an hour. And we're moving, the whole earth is moving 67,000 miles an hour. This ball is moving around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. But yet, every night, we just fall fast asleep, not even thinking, hey, is the sun going to be there in the morning, right? Has anybody ever gone to bed anxious or untrusting that that's going to happen? I, I, I don't think so. Why is that? We can trust that the earth is going to be there, and the, the sun's going to be there when we wake up in the morning, but we can't trust that we're going to get to work on time in the morning because there's an accident. We freak out. Um, and I don't know if you know this or not, but the earth is actually slowing down. Don't, don't get too freaked out, but it is slowing down. Right now, the earth rotates 24 hours with respect to the sun, and then it also, every 23 hours, 56 minutes, and 4 seconds, it rotates with respect to the stars. The earth's rotation is slowing slightly with time, thus a day is shorter than it was in the past. This is due to tidal effects from the moon and the earth's rotation. The atomic clocks show that the modern day, a modern day today is longer. How much longer? You guys are going to freak out. It's 1.7 milliseconds longer than a century ago. Whew, I know, right? You can relax. You can relax. But let me ask you all, are you, going to wor are you guys going to worry that the earth is going to come to a stop? Is anybody afraid of that? No. Why not? Uh, I remember there was a time early in our faith walk and early in our marriage, we were going to have our second kid. So we have six kids. So this is our second son. And my wife had a placental separation. Uh, the placenta separated from the uterus. And the doctor essentially told us to go home and we we're going to lose this child. And so I remember very distinctly just on my knees, praying to God, being in his word, looking for some answer from God in this. And his answer to me was to trust him. That if this child were to be born, I was a steward of this child. It wasn't my child. It was his. I was going to dedicate all my kids to God. They're ultimately his. So if I can't trust him with my children then I shouldn't have children. And it was really a wake-up call for me. Um, we ended up going on bed rest for a period of time. It was very difficult, but God saw us through it. I, I, re I remember distinctly very, uh, a, a number of times where my wife was very concerned about losing this child. And I wasn't at all. I had this just resound faith in that walk because God really clearly spoke to me that I had to trust him in this. And we did. The son was born. He's 22 now. He's going to school. He's in his senior year of college to be a pastor. God is faithful. You just have to trust him. So again, what is our response to God? We give him our trust. What do you think God feels when we don't trust him? Has anyone ever not been trusted before? I mean, I know there's some parents in here. Has your child ever asked you a question? Mom, what is this? And you answer and they say, really? Or, I don't think so, right? Because as a teenager, as a young child, we're all smarter than our parents, right? 
Does anybody not smarter than their parents? Raise your hand. See? Okay, oh, there's one humble. You're, all right, you're, there is one humble child in the room. I knew he would get one. Praise the Lord. Yes, good job. The rest of you all learn from this young child. She's very humble and smart. Very wise. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, it's, again, feeling distrust is respect. It's a lack of respect. If you don't trust what your parents tell you, you're being disrespectful. If you don't trust God's word, you're disrespecting God. You know, when my boys were little, I told them, all of them this, that if there was ever a fire and I told you to jump out the window and I catch you, you should trust me in everything to that degree. I love you and I have your best interest in heart. God loves you and has your best interest at heart. His word is not telling you things. His Holy Spirit is not speaking to you things so that you could be misled. He wants you to trust him in everything. Hebrews 11.6 says, And it is impossible to please, another, uh, please God without faith. What is another word for faith? Trust. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Definition of faith in Webster's Dictionary says, an allegiance to duty or a person, loyalty, fidelity to one's promise, sincerity of intentions, belief and trust in and loyalty to God, belief in the traditional doctrines of religion, complete trust. We can't have faith without trust. It just doesn't work. Um, for most of my early Christian life, I struggled with one concept, one area I had a stronghold in my life, and that was giving, that was tithe. I, I would faithfully attend church. I, I would serve, I would teach, I would counsel, I would preach, I would do anything. But when that, when that bucket went around, I would like grab my wallet and hold on like grim death. I, did, I mean, I, I didn't want to give anything. Uh, and I, don't, I honestly, I don't know why I struggle with that so much. I mean, looking back at it now, I feel very convicted still today that I held on to money so, so, so tightly in my life. Um, and honestly, uh, I would have these dialogues in my head, you know, the offering time would come and they would bring the buckets around and I would be self-rationalizing in my head. I'd be thinking to myself, oh, okay, man, I just give $50 this time. It should be fine. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't know why I would do that, but it was sincerely out of a lack of trust in God. We, as a family, my wife and I decided to go to Dave Ramsey and go to Financial Peace University uh, where we learned how to biblically manage our money that changed our life. Um, at that point, we, I, I was committed to tithe and give, and we lived under an auspice of the one who died with the most debt wins. So you can imagine we were drowning in debt at the time when we started Dave Ramsey. We had 18 credit cards. We had... A, a zero interest home loan with a balloon payment in five years. We were 
car payments, you name it, everything you could think of. We were upside down through the roof. God laid on her heart during that time to adopt children. We were like, we don't have the money. You know, we, we were making payday loans to get groceries. How are we going to get the money to adopt a child? That's never going to happen. But, but God said, trust me. These biblical principles are, are truth. So we began to give out of belief, out of trust. We gave to God. We, we, we tithe. We couldn't afford to tithe, but we tithe. And we became faithful in that. And God did something. He connected this part of my body with this part of my body. My heart and my, my mind, they became connected. And I recognized that I had to trust God in every aspect of my life, including my finances. It was very hard. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says... Honor the Lord with your wealth, with your first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to be overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. The more we began to give, the more God became faithful and honor it. Again, this isn't about finances, it's about trust. We had to trust God completely and solely. Um, when I was on staff at the church, we sometimes in church get caught up in different programs and uh in our church we did this program we called uh, uh club 52 and essentially it was taking 52 weeks of the year giving up one meal and taking that money and giving it towards missions it's just a program a concept that we did when we started doing that prior to that the church actually gave 10 percent of all its income away everything the church took in and gave 10 percent. we stopped doing that when we did this program. And as we did that, we did it for several years. As we did that, the church's income started to decline. And we looked at it, and God convicted us. He said, you're not giving 10% of your income away. So in the middle of a year, we recognized that we were, you know, doing something we probably shouldn't be doing. So we committed to the church. We did a, uh, a, a teaching in November to the entire congregation and said, we're going to start giving 10% of the income to missions. And we didn't budget for this, but we asked people to make the same commitment themselves. And amazingly, the church gave 10% more than it had budgeted, but it also brought in beyond 10% in additional income. And so God honored it. God honored his promise. The church was able to continue to give 10%, but it also went beyond. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. See, God honors our hearts, period. He honors it. When we trust him, when we give as he asks us to, he honors it. But what does that look like? You see, it's, it's easy to say, I trust God. Hebrews 11 says, Faith is a confidence in what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. You have to believe in that which you cannot prove so that it releases God to do what you could never do. 
You believe in what you can't see so that God can do then the supernatural. We trust in faith and then God responds miraculously. Faith always comes first. It's impossible to please God without faith. Impossible. It's impossible to please God without faith. It always comes first. I'm going to show you a picture. This is an African Impala. You guys have heard the car name Impala? It comes from this. Amazing animal. This animal can jump 10 feet vertically and 30 feet horizontally. Yet, if you go to a zoo and see this animal, do you know how big the wall is that contains it? It's three feet. It's a solid three-foot wall. How can you contain an animal like this? I mean, look at how high that thing is. It's got to be five or six feet in the air. It definitely can jump over a three-foot wall. How is it that wall can contain it? Walls like us. I mean, the, the animal is like us. That animal will not jump over anything that it can't see where its feet will land. So because it's a solid three-foot wall, it won't jump over it. How many of us are just like that? We're not going to jump over something we can't see. God tells us to jump, but we're not going to jump because we can't see where we're going to land. Right? How many of us are like that? How many times has God challenged you in your heart? So when pastor asked me to come and preach, I immediately, what happens is the same thing that always happens. I pray and I'm like, God, what would you have me preach on? And he asked me to preach on trust. And you know what? I said no. I did. I said no. And so for weeks, I agonized over this. Literally, I agonized. I was like, well, I, I, I don't, God, I don't want to. I felt like, I felt like I couldn't trust God. Like, I, I, I don't know, I can't explain it. And then my wife came to me and said, hey, I have a great idea for you to preach. I said, yeah, what is that? And she said, trust. I was like, oh my God, God, come on, seriously? No. And he was. So obviously, this message is for somebody. Um, and maybe for all of you. I know that in life, the world doesn't give us any guarantees, right? This world doesn't guarantee us anything. But I can tell you personally, God does. His word does. He's faithful and you can trust him. When Rachel and I began our journey, um, right journey on adoption, we had no idea what we were doing. We had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. Uh, we didn't have the skill or understanding. Uh, the wall wasn't three feet and solid. It was 10 feet and had barbed wire over the top of it, as far as we were concerned. Um, but thankfully, we made a choice. It wasn't a choice from our own understanding, like, are we going to get pizza for dinner tonight or, or, or pasta? It was a choice from our hearts. Are we going to trust God? We're going to make the step. We're going to start towards the wall, even though it looked like we couldn't climb it and get over it. Or are we going to re retreat? Are we going to step back and say, ah, it's for somebody else. That's not for us. Well, obviously, as you can see, he provided a way. We got over the wall.
And six years ago, we met this little girl named Jenna Grace. She was 20 months old. And there she is today, six years later. We got over the wall. Now, fast forward less than two years after this, we brought somebody else home. Joy. We, brought our, we found our joy. Uh, instead of a 20-month-old child with no, lang- with no language skills and no ties to her culture, we had to trust God and bring home a girl who was almost 14 years old, had no language skills, and absolutely loved her Chinese culture. Still does today. It was probably one of the most difficult years we've ever had in our life for her and for us as a family. But God was faithful. We trusted him every day. We had to trust him. And he was faithful. And now she's 18 years old, getting ready to graduate high school. She's going to go on to art school. She's an amazing, incredible artist and also an amazing, incredible girl. Then just when we settled down and we're like, okay, it's over. Right? It's done. There's no more walls in our life. God puts up another wall and we have to keep walking towards it and trusting him every step of the way. He's faithful. And then we meet Journey. Uh, Two years ago? I don't know how long it's been. I can't keep track of time. (laughs) It'll be two years in January. Journey's five, going on 40. She's had six open heart surgeries in her life. She's had two since we brought her home. She just had one, how long? In April. So she just had one in April. Huge surgery. It's incredible what God has done. It's amazing to learn what happens to a body when it's deprived oxygen. But we have to trust God. Um, I want to leave you guys today with a challenge. I want you to take a step in the next 48 hours in trusting God. Whatever area you're struggling with, whatever issue, if it's finances, if it's kids, friends, your future, your health, whatever, I just want you to take a step in the next 48 hours. Just a step. I'm not asking you to run towards something, jump over a wall. Just take one step forward. Look where you're at right now. Pray to God and take a step. Move. It's all God expects of you in life. Move towards him. Trust him. That's, that's all he wants. That's, that's all I would want. And I think that's all that you would want. Right? If you made the sacrifices that God made for mankind, what would you expect? So I want you to take a step in 48 hours of releasing whatever it is to God, trusting him completely. The moment that you do that, you're going to discover three things about God. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these three things down. Number one, you're going to get to know the goodness of God. When you step out in faith and believe in him, your whole heart and your whole life, you'll discover the goodness of God. Second, you'll experience firsthand the love of God. 
And finally, you're going to get the faithfulness of God. God's goodness, his love, and his faithfulness. Psalm 103, 103 through 5 says, All of this is right in Scripture. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. Say it with me. We are his. You belong to him. We are his people, the sheep of his pastures enter his gates. Therefore, with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise him, for the Lord is good. You're going to get to know God's goodness, and his love endures forever. You're going to get to know the love of God, and his faithfulness continues through all generations. It's not even about just your life. It's about when you trust God, when your whole heart and your whole life your great-great-grandchildren will be different because of the heritage of the faith that you started. Your faithfulness continues through generations when you trust him, when you step out in faith and believe. Again, it's a step. I'm not asking you to jump, run, climb. Just take a step. That's the hardest part, right? Right? It's having the trust and faith to make one step forward, one move. So I know everyone in here has a different position, a different part in life. They're in a different place. Some of you are in school. Some of you are parents. Some of you are grandparents. It doesn't matter. It's never too late to start. I'm going to close with one Cute little story. So there was a man on, on the verge of retirement, 60 some odd years old. I can't remember, he's 65. Uh, he was going to retire broke, pretty much with nothing. Um, had had a very, a very terrible life up to this point. Uh, was really not successful at all. And he took a step. He stepped out started frying chicken in Kentucky and giving it to people and selling it. Can anybody guess who this guy was? What his name was? He was a colonel. <laughs> right? Colonel Sanders. He was retirement age. When he, and he worked Kentucky Fried Chicken until he was 78 years old. If he was 65, that's 13 years he worked and became a multimillionaire in his 60s. So for those of you that are sitting there saying, I'm too old, you're never too old. You are never too old to take that first step, whatever it is. Because I know everyone, I don't care who you are, God has something on everyone's heart. That's why... John 3.16. That's why. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for you to trust him. What other, what else could you do beyond, I mean, what other extreme could you do beyond giving your life to create trust? I mean, honestly, if, if, if I asked you to trust me, if I said, I need you to trust me, 
And you said, Pastor Brian, what would you do? I said, I'd die right now. I'll give my life so that you trust me. How incredible would that be? How much confidence would you have, right? So again, my challenge to you today is to take that step. One step, that's all I ask in the next 48 hours. Whatever it is, I promise you, God will meet you there and you can trust him. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for the um, challenge that you've placed before us today. I thank you, Lord, that uh, you continue to be faithful in everyone's life, that you continue to show us who you are every day, Lord. And I just thank you as people are uh, opening their hearts to you, as the Holy Spirit is moving in their lives, uh, that, Lord, you would give them the courage, the strength, the boldness to move forward in what you'd have for them. Lord, that they would not shy away. That they would be strong. That they would be courageous. That they would be honoring of the truth that you died on the cross so that we could trust you in every aspect of our life. That you're going to meet us there that we can sit and be faithful in everything that you have for us. And that we would not squander it, that we would not back up away from it, but that we would press into it, Lord, in such a way that would just magnify and glorify you, Lord, that we would step up to the challenges that you place before us in our life, and we would be strong, we would be the body of believers that you've called us to be, Lord. I know that Living Hope has amazing days ahead of it. That these individuals are going to, again, work towards the call that you've placed on each one of their lives. No matter what it is, I am thankful for this body of believers. I'm thankful for this church. And I ask, Lord, that you would just bless them that you would honor the faithfulness of their hearts and their trust in you. And I just thank you for all this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Thank you.